0: or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. I am Rob Howe, your host, joined as always by Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Trying to mute my YouTube feed there because it's giving me... (laughs) (laughs) cross uh, volume in my headset, and I'm not prepared for
1: that this morning. How are you, Scott? Great. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's summer now, right? I mean, it feels like it's summer, and, uh, you know, we're going to get humidity, so we're back in Iowa in the summer, but otherwise, couldn't complain. I'm on a three-day weekend. Uh, That doesn't happen very often, so I'll, I'll take it.
2: Yes, happy Juneteenth to everybody. It is Monday, June 19th, 2023, uh, celebrating freedom. And that's a good thing, quality, all those good things uh, being celebrated today. So recognize, check it out. Um, Not a ton going on like live action right now. So it's more, um, you know, getting ready for the season and some recruiting news and things like that. Uh but there's always there are always things to talk about here on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. I was uh in Minneapolis last week at my daughter's uh national volleyball tournament and Scott and I were trying to get something together, but hotel Wi-Fi was awful and my schedule was kind of erratic. So apologize to folks for us not having one last week. Um, but as a result, we will record today and then we'll record again on thursday and on thursday's podcast we'll preview the big recruiting weekend coming up with the uh official visits uh this coming weekend um and then we'll also talk about uh i think the nba draft mm, yeah
1: that's and great.
2: then also we have interviews with football players on wednesday so plenty going on this week that we'll get to in thursday's podcast but today uh we'll talk uh, a little of some things that happened last week some Uh, Articles that Scott has posted on The Athletic, Uh, so kind of be a potpourri here today, but hopefully it'll be entertaining and um, informative, and uh, we'll do the best we can here. I'm still kind of recovering from that experience. Was cool. I'll I'll, uh, I'll brag on my kid a little bit here, uh, our 12-year-old. We finished 25th in the country uh, for 12-year-olds at the Nationals, which is... uh, It's pretty nice if you're thinking about it from like a college football standpoint, you know, finishing the season in the top 25 is pretty nice. And, uh, they, um, kind of, it was one of those things where the first day two and one, then lost two tough matches on Thursday came back and won all their matches Friday and Saturday to get kind of wrestle (laughs) back in that wrestle back to 25th place. So proud of the kids. Uh, it's amazing at that level that, uh, you know, I competed, Scott, at you know, varsity sports and all that stuff, but um my uh our youngest is definitely on a trajectory ahead of anything I've done athletically. I've never I never played in like a national tournament like that. So pretty proud of her. Yeah, we didn't have
1: those too much when we were growing <laughs> no. up, you know. I mean, other than like the Little League World Series or something, but no, that's awesome, Rob. I mean, you know, for a team representing Iowa in this part of Iowa to be able to go up and finishing the top 25 nationally is a great thing and it shows great promise for you know what city high mostly or is it most uh, kind of the area
2: that's kind of cool it's mixed we got kids from tipton north cedar (laughs) liberty west Mm -hmm. city high uh I mean, it's but it's all three one nine area code, and the coolest thing about it is, and I'm I apologize to people have to listen to this, and we're coming in yeah. for Hawkeye news, but it's the off yeah. season, so we have time. Yeah. But um, we played teams from L.A., San Diego, um, Salt Lake City. I mean, big cities. Um, yeah, Orlando, things like that. So I think if you look at it, just compare it us to some other programs up there we're from one area code in iowa and we're playing against teams that are from you know big cities so it was uh it was cool and uh shout out to the iowa rockets uh volleyball program they do a really good job they've been around for 25 years now in uh, the iowa city area and have if you think about some of the best players that have come through iowa um, they probably come through that program. There are a lot of other really good programs in the in Iowa, too. And it, it almost to segue, Scott, I have people ask me this, too. You know, you guys play at really high level from a club standpoint, from, you know, 11, 12, all the way up through 17- and 18-year-old kids. Why isn't the University of Iowa better at volleyball? And that's really the challenge right now is to keep some of these kids that's in state. I mean, Nebraska's had some top-flight kids that are from Iowa. Wisconsin has a really good player from, I think she's from West Des Moines Valley or one of the walkie. Iowa needs to figure out if it wants to be, I mean, we all know how good the Big Ten is at volleyball, and it's really hard to move up. Um, But keeping the in-state kids in-state would be a good place to start.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, what why can't Iowa volleyball be comparable to Iowa basketball women's basketball? When you look at the state and, you know, heck, when we were Cubs in this business 25 years ago, I mean, the state tournament was a big deal then, and it's a bigger, it's even a bigger deal now. And, um, it, there's really no reason why Iowa can't have at least some success. You look across the state at Iowa State, you look north to northern oh, Iowa, yeah. and then and then you look around you when you talk about Wisconsin and Nebraska and Minnesota, they're all having a success. Iowa has just been, you know, dreadful for the most part for most of its history. And um, so yeah, keeping people in state is a big deal. And I think it's possible. It's going to take time. I mean, yeah. there's no question, but you, you get a couple of recruits, they stay, you win some matches, potentially eventually get to the postseason. Then you can kind of make incremental progress. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you know, it is a sport that uh, I know this state really celebrates and, and, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like field hockey, Rob, where there's no, you know, right. grassroots organization in the state. And and that's not to knock at all Lisa Salucci or the program. It just means that there's just nothing here for that. Whereas volleyball, it's a big deal, you know, top 25 in the country, you know, went to, you know, at that age, they should be, uh, all given free season passes to go watch them compete in Coralville.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you're right, I think if you can get one or two of the top in state kids to go to Iowa and then kind of show other younger kids that look up to them, hey, it's okay to stay in state. I think that would be how you get the ball get the ball rolling on that, and hopefully it happens. The top two kids in the twenty three class went to northern Iowa um,
1: yeah
2: you know kid from Urbandale kid from Liberty high uh went to u n i so That uh, no, no shame there either. I mean, Bobby Peterson's got a great program up
1: there. So that's not it's not
2: like picking you and I over Iowa for like football.
1: You know, and that that's another one. And I mean, not to (laughs) it is kind of the horse latitudes. And I guess I guess we can get our volleyball talk in. But, you know, that's one where, uh, you know, whether it's Gary Barta or whoever the senior women administrator is should have made Bobby Peterson an offer she couldn't refuse a long time ago, that if you're going to have that kind of success at Northern Iowa and beat Iowa consistently, and then to the point, I think Iowa decided to quit playing them, you know, then, you know, go up there and make her say, absolutely not, that I do not want three times the salary, you know, to go 70 miles South. Um, and then you look West and, and this year, it's it's going to be incredible. We can knock Nebraska, however we want for football and we will, and we will here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're also going to praise them for volleyball because they're they have a sellout at Memorial Stadium for a, for a volleyball match in August. So it's going to be kind of like the the grapple and the gridiron, except for volleyball. And they're going to sell the whole damn thing out. That's just that's unbelievable. And and kudos to them for doing that.
2: Yeah, and just to to add to that too, I, we were just screwing around and talking the other day with some of the kids on my daughter's team again 12 U, um and two two of the better players were like we're gonna go to camp in nebraska this summer and i was Mm -hmm. like are you gonna camp in iowa too no no so Mm -hmm. i mean that's you got kids coming from eastern iowa going all the way to lincoln for volleyball camp at the university in nebraska where they have a university right here yeah those are the things that have to change so Mm -hmm. um there's your volleyball discussion for probably a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. But congrats to the Iowa Rockets. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. And the older kids will be in Chicago next month for uh, for their national tournament. Some really good kids I've gotten to see working for Prep Dig here in the spring and summer uh, in different tournaments in those older age groups. So. Some uh, some chances here for Iowa volleyball to uh, keep some kids in state, and hopefully that gets done, and we can talk more about volleyball. If Iowa can get really good at volleyball again, maybe we'll have more interest and, and more people want us to talk about it, and we will do so. Um, but another segue into talking about Nebraska volleyball is talking about Nebraska football, which – Recently, was it Tom Chattel? Was he the one that wrote this thing that kind of sparked uh, discussion, (laughs) for lack of a better term? Uh, And Scott has – basically the premise of the piece that Tom wrote was that uh, Nebraska now gets away from the just the trash in the Big Ten West division and can now spread its wings and whatever. But – those who may not know, Nebraska was, has not been very good and has not won the West Division. So that really, I mean, you don't even have to go any farther than that to, to make your point that that's that, that premise is
1: just ridiculous. And then
2: Scott spent the better
1: part of how long? Not oh, with these people. Um, it felt like a uh, year, but it was really about four or five days. But it was all hours of all days, you know. You know, you, even the times where you're just kind of sitting around doing nothing and you check your phone and you're like 15 20 interactions and it's all Husker, dot you know, 1997.com, you know, tweeting at me, you know, but we've got five championships and you don't. And uh, uh, so it. it you know, let, let's start with. I mean, the the argument switched a lot, which made it more laughable and ridiculous, all all told. Let's start with the original premise. It's very possible that what Tom Chattel meant and what he wrote were two different things, because sometimes we say the right, the wrong thing. And we're like, oh, God, I said it the wrong way. I should have wrote it that way. Um, But, you know, that it's better than slumming in the Big Ten West is what he wrote. And. That could be construed by six teams in the West as they're the slums. And by Nebraska, it could be, well, we're not playing very well in the slums. I look at it as since 2017, Nebraska is the only program and Power Five program nationally to have um, no bowl appearances. You're talking about the program that what, went 41 years in a row, you know, at one point that was this upper echelon, you know, wonderful program to the dregs. (laughs) And then, so you're looking at it going, you know, what are you doing to, to, to to complain about everybody else? I mean, you won two games against the big 10 West the last two years, one of which was Iowa, which I was reminded of a few times uh, last week that they did beat Iowa last year. I know that was a, you know, (laughs) You know, I want to talk about Super Bowl stuff. That's <laughs> you know, people say that about Iowa State. I'm like, well, maybe Nebraska qualifies a little bit more now. But um, <laughs> but you know, they're also fifth overall in wins among the uh, Power Five over that pro that span. I mean, that Kansas is worse or Arizona. But for them to be in that category tells me that if you're in one of what is they consider what people consider is the worst division or one of the worst divisions in, in the power five, what does it say about you that you're the worst team in the worst division? You are the worst program effect, essentially. Now, you know, I, there, there are so many times when we've lobbed them, you know, plaudits and rose petals of their history, but God damn it. That was a long time ago. You know, they haven't won a conference title since 1999. They haven't been in a major bowl since 2000 you know one you know it it, they've been in one big 10 championship game since they joined that was in the old legends and leaders in 2012 (laughs) and they got beat 70 to 31 so it's time to to stop with the past it's time to stop with we won five championships because then the the conversation did turn turn that well you know iowa doesn't have any and i then i mentioned that the big 10 recognizes three and that was worse Uh, that was a stronger argument that they were trying to make that Iowa doesn't have championships, than than anything, and I'm like, but the Big Ten recognizes them. But that doesn't mean they have them. Well, that's the Big Ten recognizes them. Well, there, that's not you know, that's fake news and all this other stuff. So, <laughs> um, I'll have to show you. I did save some of the tweets. And put them in a <laughs> I tweet- I would periodically
2: hop on the Twitter, and then oftentimes I'd chuckle because I'd see you. Uh, tuning up a Nebraska fan with actual facts. And then it would just devolve into nonsense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I even sent them the link with the page. I did a screenshot. They thought I was the one who who typed it up, you know, and and then they were mad because Ohio State was listed in 1970, which was one of the Nebraska years. And, uh, you know, and after a while, I mean, I'd kind of, there there's so many, so many ridiculous things being said. I'd have to respond. I didn't want to. I wanted to kind of fizzle it out. You know, I don't like. And then I'd come back and people would come back at me. <laughs> it was just but you know, the, it, it's it's remarkable um what that you know, program is going through. It's interesting
2: because we wondered back, you know, 10 years ago or so now more than that, how the Iowa and Nebraska rivalry would evolve, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what would it be like? What what would the games be like? What would the you know discussion be like? And it, to me, Scott, this is what it's turned into: is Nebraska fans continually trying to act superior to Iowa based on the past, but with an inability to recognize the present and what has happened since they've been in the big 10 and what Purdue's played, Purdue, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin have all won the West, right? Have all represented the the division. Yeah. Four out of seven in the division as it currently stands. Yeah. One of the three that haven't been there. And I know legends and leaders was different. That was a different setup. Um, But as the current West stands and celebrating not having to slum with the teams that are in that division. As you said earlier, what does that say about you? You couldn't beat those teams and go to Indianapolis and
1: represent the division. Exactly. That's the whole point that, you know, you're supposed to, you're brought in, Nebraska was brought in to be the, you know, an important and a, an, An important piece to the Big Ten in general. And then the Big Ten West, when when it got changed from East West, because in large part, um, the like Wisconsin Iowa rivalry was shelved with legends and leaders. You had the, um, you know, Maryland and Rutgers wanted to play Penn State and some of those teams. And then Delaney thought it was interesting to send some of the marquee teams to the East Coast with more regularity, which is why they decided to go with. Uh, the, you know, the split it east-west. But Nebraska was supposed to hold its own, and Nebraska has not. It's done the opposite of that, and that's really, uh, you know, ridiculous. I mean, when you're looking at since 2000, they've been in one major bowl game, the Rose Bowl in 2001, which they backed into uh, for the championship after getting beat 62-36 to 36 by Colorado. They haven't been to a major Since 2001, and the whole Nebraska's back. The past, the past. Who gives a shit? You know, I I tweeted this out that I'm like, there's only one fan base that cares about Iowa's listed championships. It's not Iowa. It's not their oldest rival in Nebraska. It's not their their most hated basketball rival in 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 Illinois, and or it's not Minnesota, who they you know played 116 times. It's not their closest Big Ten rival in, in Wisconsin. It's Nebraska. Why? Because they cannot stand having Iowa over the top of them for any reason whatsoever. And I get it. There's a lot of pride there. And I think this is why this series was protected, because there there, there is a chance that this thing could be really, really, really good. But both teams have to, to measure up. And Iowa, you know, I think, you know, we can, you know, objectively say Iowa has failed and in some ways to be as good as it can be but there's no question that Nebraska has failed to be, you know, what it should be. And until Nebraska gets there, I mean, I think Iowa fans have kind of not necessarily written off the rivalry, but have just kind of said, well, it's not as big of a deal as the other games, including Illinois or Northwestern or any of the old school big 10. So Nebraska has got to win its way back. And last year beating Iowa (laughs) what's funny is that should have been a moment to kind of kick it off. You just caused some major pain. You caused Iowa not to go to Indianapolis. However, most Iowa fans are probably grateful that they weren't going to Indianapolis. They just didn't want to lose to Nebraska to do it. <laughs> no question. But and it is um great
2: points. And it's again, I feel the the rivalry has been more about what's said off yeah. the field and away from the competition and talking, you know, in you know, historical terms and things like that, instead of act this for this rivalry to take a next step, the game, the last game of the season, that black Friday game has to mean something for both mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. And, and how many times have we had that throughout since they started playing annually? It, it's just most of the time we get to that game and I was playing for something and Nebraska is trying to get into a bowl game at best.
1: Right. It's been, the bronze medal of the West, or it's been Iowa needing to win, you know, it did in 2015, it did that in 2021. Um, And then last year it lost. It was a big deal. Yeah. You know, but it was also, again, I think there was a lot of, there were a lot of grateful Iowa fans that they didn't win that game. Um, But it was again, sucky that they had to lose it to Nebraska is probably the way that they would define it. But when you're looking at a team that's, I mean, going through this list here, Rob, the fewest overall wins since 2017, Kansas is one, Rutgers two, uh, Vanderbilt, Arizona, then Nebraska, 23 wins since 2017, since they hired Scott Frost, you know, and last year, Mike Riley, when you're talking about league wins, Nebraska's got 16 over that span, which is third worst in the Big Ten behind Rutgers and Maryland, which also says, "Wow, that's not real good on the whole." Uh, um. And that's actually what what I tweeted out first was the fewest wins, league wins of the Big Ten over that span. All were the three most recent expansion additions. And I'm sure you got well. Nebraska plays a harder schedule than I. Oh yeah, that that was the other thing that well, they they had to play Ohio State all those times. What about Iowa? Well, uh, here's the thing that the Big Ten set up which was crossover the highest profile teams for good games over a six-year period. Wisconsin played Michigan. Iowa played Penn State. Um, Nebraska played Ohio State. I was the only one to beat Ohio State out of that group. Um, Iowa has the best winning, you know, percentage out of that group. Uh, although Wisconsin's three and three with Michigan, Iowa's two and four with Penn State, and and there are uh, almost every game could have gone either way. Nebraska's zero six against Ohio State. Iowa's one and one against Ohio State over that span. And it's like, well, why are they playing? well I'm also like. No team has played Rutgers more often than Nebraska either, you know, except for Illinois, which was the crossover. So you're five and zero against Rutgers. You're zero and six against, oh, you know, against uh, Ohio State. But you're like fifteen and thirty eight against the West. You know, come on, man. <laughs> you know, what's this all about? Why? Why is this becoming such a, you know, and an... so do better. <laughs> Do better against Iowa, do better against Minnesota, do better against uh Illinois and Purdue and all these teams that have beaten you a lot lately and uh and that's that's to me where this is kind of borderline ridiculous yes, you know you they have the, these trophies and they're magnificent. And they were great teams back then, but none of the current players were alive for it why why why, why does it matter? It doesn 't matter
2: yeah, I get the sense that least from the outside looking in that they're more cautiously optimistic that Matt Rule can do this I think a lot of people were burned by Scott Frost they were all in they were like this is the guy you know favorite son coming home because I remember when he was hired you know Frost warning and everybody look out Ohio State Michigan everybody's in trouble because Scott Frost is back and that failed miserably and I think from and I'm not saying I was involved, you know, on that train, but I thought Scott Frost would work. I thought it was a good hire. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I never saw it being a disaster that it was. I like Matt Rule and I think it has a chance to work. Um but it's hard, man. It's hard in this league to establish yourself. And we saw that um Wisconsin, you think about how good Wisconsin's been and they fired their coach last year cuz they felt like they were falling off from, you know, the standard that Barry Alvarez set. And, uh, you know. And they, they have. Yeah, and they have. And now Nebraska's trying to just, they need to stop thinking about getting back to the early 90s and just get back to where um, Polini had you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, winning 90, you got to get there first before you start thinking about winning national
1: championships and divisions and Big Ten titles. Right. It's... It's, it's crazy that it's become this, but, you know, when you looked over at the Scott Frost era, first of all, I was all in on him, too, going, okay, finally, you know, they made the, they made the move like Michigan did with Harbaugh, with, you know, not, you know, not that I would say Saban to, to Alabama, but damn, it's, it's a good move, you could see it, it should work, favorite son, prodigal son, whatever, comes back home, leads them to, to great things, and for it to fail as miserably as it did and to lose in the fashion that it did. Um, And the culture just was abysmal in the, in the, you know, the whatever, you know, all the attrition and what have you, that it was just ridiculous to watch. And, and it just never got back. I mean, and then, then there was that one year where they were the greatest three win team in college football history or something. So many close losses. Yeah. And had like, all the losses were by single digits. And that was like, Hey, we're close. We're close. Well, you know, that, that's where, that's where most teams are. You just got to get over the top. Right. And, and so, um, and they couldn't find a way. And then they beat Iowa uh, last year. They beat Iowa. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them any, Yeah, I'm not going to give any excuses for Iowa. I don't really care, but I do look at it that, you know, there were, they were little, they were fortunate when, Cooper DeGene got knocked out and Spencer yeah. Petras uh, lost his arm <laughs> yeah. and shoulder and every other body part. Um, and it, you know, they won and and good for them. And they saved Iowa from and the big 10 from a really big embarrassment against Michigan, I think, but you know, they've got to figure out how do you make incremental progress? And the, the one thing is the, whether it's the fan base or our friends in the media or whatever over there is, they struggle with taking those steps incrementally, mentally. That that it's a process, and maybe it's we're conditioned so much over here as the developmental program that everybody understands and respects the process. There they don't, where they think that Nebraska's back. Well, okay, you go. Beat, let's say they beat Minnesota in week one and Colorado in week two. Is Nebraska back, or is Nebraska just beat two average to below average teams? Well, it, the message will be Nebraska's back and that is great, all that. That's what it was after the first drive last year against Northwestern in Ireland. Then they got beat. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just uh, – but, you know, we, we wasted a lot of time and bandwidth talking about a team that's yeah. not real good. And people are going to say that they're living rent-free in our heads, but I think it's almost a matter of – there's. It's a, if, if they were mediocre, we wouldn't talk about them that they're a train wreck and you, you talk about train wrecks. You don't talk about the trains that arrive on time or, or five minutes late. And that's uh, but again, it
2: speaks to the rivalry, right? That we yeah. talk about this. That's, I guess, I guess it's good. It's good that there is interest and there is some, um, you know, give and take back and forth between the mm. people on both sides and there's interest there. So that's good. Now we just need, it to be more competitive on the field. And I know Nebraska won last year for the first time in a long time since mm-hmm. 2014, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if it's a little bit more even on the field, I think that will add to the rivalry and um, hopefully at the end of the season, both teams are playing for something and then that stokes the rivalry too. Cause if you win that game and it means something that fuels and stokes it. So Hopefully we get to that point.
1: Yeah. Well, that's – if you would have told me, Rob, in 2011 when it officially became Black Friday game and they would play on Black Friday every year, um, that not once would it be a winner-take-all game, I would have been shocked. Yeah. And and I am – I'm surprised it hasn't been that. I figured at least once or twice, you know, for the West Division title, it would have been a winner-take-all. And it hasn't gotten to that point largely because of Nebraska. It's, you know, it's, it's had six straight losing seasons, seven out of the last eight. I mean, it's lost Iowa, you know, what seven out of the last eight times, to, uh, Wisconsin, nine straight, all that kind of thing. So. And my yeah. advice to yeah. Matt roll not that he would care or yeah. take, it would be starting the
2: trenches, man, toughen, the, toughen, things up get better on yeah. the lines start yeah. there and then move move back because it seemed like Scott Frost was bells and whistles and never really developed his line play and uh if, if you're not playing yeah. well up front on both sides of the ball in this
1: league you're going to get your ass handed to you. oh for sure you know and that's every time you know in the past i i I probably end up on more nebraska radio stations um, in the off season or even during the season than I do anybody but Iowa ones. And, you know, cause they like football. I mean, it's a, it's a passionate fan base. I'm not, Oh, fit, no question. You know, they get into it. And I think that's what, what will make this series, sizzle and probably be the biggest game. And I thought by now it would be for both teams in the season, because there's a different mix between Iowa and Nebraska. You don't get this kind of back and forth with Iowa, Wisconsin or Minnesota. You do do to an extent with Iowa state and and it, it, you know, but it's, it's different. This is competitive. And this is um, two programs of kind of similar values and and expectations. Um, But uh, you know, everything I've always told those people is look, You've got, um, one, you've got to be as tough and physical up front as Iowa and Wisconsin. You don't have to aspire to be Iowa or Wisconsin, but you've got to match them in physicality and toughness. If you do that, then no matter what you want to do on offense, that's fine. If you want to run the spread, if you want to run the triple option, it doesn't matter. But if you... Cannot be as physical as either team, and Iowa run and hit with its offensive line, and the way it, um, its two-gap physicality on defense, and and uh, and then Wisconsin with its power O and three-four alignment. If you can't match that, then you're going to really struggle. Um, you're going to have to really overcome it with a lot of finesse and that doesn't work in, the, you know, week in and week out. And then when you look on at Minnesota and Illinois in particular, who have adopted those styles and been real comparable and, and not nearly as successful, at least in Minnesota, um, you know, you're, you're talking about being down in the physicality apartment, like four of your league opponents. And then you have one of the best coaches in the game in fat Fitzgerald who does it a different, you know, who hasn't been good last couple of years, but has been good in the past, it, it's, it's going to be hard. So Scott Frost thought he was smarter than everybody else and acted like it. Um, Matt Rule, I think, has a little bit more ground and pound to him. And, you know, he wasn't successful when it came to NFL. He was in college. So we'll see how that turns out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It'll be uh, interesting to see. And they get one shot at the one more. They get one more shot at the West and we'll see, see how that turns out uh, this year. Uh, Let's take a break here, Scott. This is a good time to uh, take a little Mm -hmm. uh, break for our uh, supporters or advertisers. uh, And one of them is systems unlimited and support for the podcast comes from systems unlimited celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited. We're going to hear from a few more of our sponsors right now, and Scott and I will be back on the other side to actually talk about more Iowa things and not
1: Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) hi i'm jim street owner of streets maintenance as a licensed insured and bonded master plumber i specialize in all plumbing repairs including but not
0: limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements for more information about my business i'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and facebook or give me a call at 400-4483 400-4483 hi this is aj perez managing partner at deary chrysler Ram of Waukee and iowa city i'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars. We help people buy them.
2: we're back on the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. We really appreciate their support. It allows us to bring you this content free of charge, uh, and you can get a fresh Hawkeye centric podcast on the feed just about every day of the week, Monday through Friday, that is. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the flagship podcast with Pat Hardy and the guys from KCJJ. Uh, I do the mailbag on Tuesday. Scott and I are usually here on Thursdays. You're not off with this is a Monday. I get sometimes we have to adjust in the summer with uh family things and what have you. So appreciate everybody adjusting with us. And uh if you're looking for Hawkeye Podcast, the Hawk Fanatic feed is there for your pleasure. And uh, Scott, um you've written some things uh while I was away and just getting a chance this morning to kind of catch up on some of those. You have a couple pieces here on uh Newcomers, defensive newcomers, offensive newcomers coming in, Uh, which would you like to start with? We'll do kind of an overview of this, but I really encourage people, subscribe to The Athletic, you get in-depth coverage of Iowa, really great pieces like this from Scott, we can only kind of touch on the surface of them here on the podcast, or we'd be here for hours, more <laughs> so we kind of give you an idea of what Scott has and you can go over the site and, and get much dig a lot deeper in. So, Scott, the floor is yours. Where are we starting?
1: Yeah, um, I uh, I appreciate that. And right now we have a uh, a new deal for the summer for one dollar a month for 12 months. So hopefully people can take advantage of that. But
2: and I will say, you know, you guys got it, it sucks and we see this happening not just at athletic, the athletic, but all across our industry, people are losing jobs. Yeah, I'm not getting up on my soapbox here. I'm not going to take a ton of time. But if you enjoy really good writing, really good coverage, support the athletic, support your local journalists. We saw what happened in the Quad Cities with the building collapse and how well that was covered by local journalists. I know media gets shit on a lot, but you don't want to be without it. Put it that way. Think about it a little bit. Get away from the rhetoric and the narratives and realize that it's an important
1: part of our lives. And
2: that's, that's what I have to say
1: about that. Yeah, well, well, thank you. And I could not agree more that if you're in Cedar Rapids, go with the Gazette. If you're without, throughout the state, register, Quad Cities, Quad City Times. I mean, and it's also
2: reasonable. You could get yeah. all of those and still be, I mean, and, and it'd be worth your while. You would yeah. get value.
1: Exactly. So, but uh, yeah, specific for us, you know, I cover Iowa. Some other stuff we have, I don't know, neighborhood of thirty college football writers around the country. Six covering Big Ten programs, and then uh, you know, hey, if you're a Bears fan, Cubs fans, Jet fan, Mets fan, uh, a lot of different teams are covered. So, fantasy your, sports, fantasy, you guys do a great job. Yeah, NASCAR, golf, right? Uh, Formula One, we just hit on uh, UFC. And then, uh, you know, gambling, which I would say, if you're not a student athlete, then that's probably all right. But. <laughs> yeah. Or the NFL these days. Yeah, right. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, guys... Uh... Stick to the dice games, um, yes uh, yeah, but uh with with this uh topic you know in our mailbags you get you have one too, and this one was if I had to pick one breakout athlete on offense and defense, who would i pick and and on offense um you know it's interesting because I could probably pick just about everybody depending on your criteria, yeah. you know because it's like well, um, how many of them are actually settled players, and none of them are, you know all of them have. Could elevate and. But What's the definition of a breakout? I think everybody
2: has kind of a different definition yeah. of that too. So.
1: Yeah, and like, and like I said, with offense, it's not like you're returning like three guys who got all Big Ten you know awards last year. So.
2: I decided... Well, I mean,
1: even if you look at like Caleb Johnson and Luke
2: Lachey. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good seasons, but I wouldn't call any of them how either one of
1: them household names. Well, exactly. Uh, Mason Richmond is. most experienced lineman uh he was honorable mention last year but you know is that you know he could be this too but i i decided to go with connor colby and i thought that among the players returning who kind of played but have that potential to go from uh a guy to wow okay pretty good um i think connor may fit that better than anybody else because you know, he's, he started more games as a true freshman than any player um, in Iowa history at 11, two years ago as a guard. They flipped him outside. They thought he'd be a good tackle. It really was not the best move. What did Worth start? I know you write on this, yeah. but
2: I just was uh, curious. How many did he start?
1: Eight? He's not, nine, nine. Eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he didn't start start starting games until right. Ike Bucker got, you yeah. know, tore his, ace, or his Achilles and stuff. But, uh, but Colby started 11. And, you know, including a Big Ten championship game, moved out to right tackle. It it wasn't the right move for him. It it clearly wasn't. Moved back inside. And I thought by the end of the year, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see some of this, why he was a four-star, why he was a guy that committed to Iowa as a, what, going into his junior year. And we're we're starting to see him grow. And I think he's got the chance to, uh, to really take that next step. And, you know, and I could, I could say that about several players, as you said, you know, maybe Caleb Johnson's a guy who could be a breakout performer in the big 10. Um, maybe a wide receiver could be in that, you know, uh, I would say Luke Lachey, um, Mason Richmond, you know, is Kay McNamara count? Probably not. But, you know, and, but then I said, my number two was, was Logan Jones.
2: He's probably so
1: I, be my first, but I'm right with you. We're on the same thought yeah. process here. I think
2: a lot depends on those two, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Mason Richmond has been more consistent than those two, but if those two can – if Mason Richmond can take – Mason Richmond, excuse me, can take another step forward and those two guys take another step forward, then a lot of the ills that were we've seen on the offensive line the last two years will
1: be uh, corrected. Exactly. I, I used the – I was talking to Kirk Ferentz oh, about a month ago or so at, on the iClub trip and I wrote about it then that like when I look at this offensive line I see 2007 to 2008 and for those of you who follow the program know exactly what I'm talking about that they were just absolutely dreadful I think like 46 sacks in 07 yeah. um, young players Brian Bublaga playing as a true freshman Julian Vanderbilt was wasn't very good that year I mean guys all over the place But 2008 and the late part of 2008 they're pretty damn good and then you start to see okay, there are like four NFL draft picks on this, on this offensive line. And if, and if, you know, we're talking about very young players, you know, that are going to be juniors now, Mason Richmond, who had a knee uh, operation, but needed to happen and and seems to be better. Connor Colby, Logan Jones. If you get that trio going and pointing in the right direction and playing well, and you would hope that, that Rusty, by the way, who has the greatest picture I've ever seen for a... That thing a picture, kicks ass. He looks like a Viking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. needs horns, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 But, you know, if he comes in and steps in right away and then you just, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you got a newcomer, you know, a tackle like Parker or maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's Nick DeYoung. I don't know. You know, I guess that's why they battle and they compete. But if you get just, Decent production. Then you're like, okay, that offensive line looks better. They can run the football. They got a quarterback who's accurate. Okay, got two pretty good tight ends who are NFL caliber players. All right, this offense, you know, you can get rid of that 25 point per game BS. This this is going to be a pretty good team. So, uh, but I do think it starts with offensive line, and that's why I went with Colby. But I think Logan Jones is second. He's got to get the snap down. I think he's going to be better at that. It's it's unacceptable if that happens this year, no question. It was really last year, but I do think he looks the part, fits the role, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good player too.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm a big Logan Jones fan, and uh, just try to keep reminding myself that he moved over there late, and then kind of got thrown into the fire and learned on the job last season, and uh, I think he has the aptitude to – take that next step forward and settle in it wasn't the same as (laughs) I think people and I'm guilty of this too because I wrote about it people wanted that Tyler Linderbaum story where it just immediately that's free he's a freak yeah (laughs) so (laughs) comparing somebody to Tyler Linderbaum is is crazy but I think Logan Jones is going to be a good player in his own right and I think that starts this season with with the consistency and I'm with you They've got guys on that right side. It's just a matter of figuring out where the, you know, is it Nick DeYoung at guard and yeah. Parker at tackle? Is it Feth at guard and one of the other two at tackle? Do they rotate at right tackle, Parker mm-hmm. and and DeYoung? Cause I I wouldn't write off Nick DeYoung. I know mm-hmm. he struggled with consistency, but he's you one know. of those, and Scott likes to talk about this, those late senior stories a guy yeah. that emerges we were hoping that would
1: be jack form last year it didn't happen for him but that's not to say it won't happen for nick de yeah exactly i mean that's usually been the hallmark of success for iowa is when they have that fifth year guy who it just takes you know they're, maybe they're not a great athlete maybe they're not an nfl player but they're a player that steps right in and all of a sudden it's like Okay, they're playing at a pretty good level, and yes, it could be Nick Young, could be Nick Young as being your swing guy. And yeah. Lord, Lord knows one thing I can predict, and I feel reasonably sure of, is that the same five guys will not start every game. <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah,
1: that somebody's going to probably get hurt. Somebody's probably going to have an ankle issue. Somebody's probably going to have something that they're going to have to sit out a game or two. Hopefully, not more, but you never know. That's that's what football is all about there. But but I think you know, if I was to gauge it right now, I mean, I'd say Rusty Feth is going to probably be one of your guards. Um, And then it's either going to be Parker or DeYoung at at right tackle. And, and then maybe you you, you look at somebody like Jennings Dunker and Bo Stevens as depth and wow, they might actually have depth. Maybe Tyler Ellsbury is that guy, you know, just uh, that to me, if they can have a eight solid players on the offensive line and, and feel pretty good about your starting unit with a really good swing person, then I think you're talking about a different Iowa team because if they can handle the line of scrimmage, then that's when, Hey, now you got a couple of good running backs that I think have that potential to, to take the next step. And, and, and certainly I think Caleb Johnson is is can be one of the five best running backs in the big 10 this year, which would be a big deal.
2: And I wouldn't be surprised to see some type of rotation. I always been able to do that in the past on the offensive line. It's not ideal. Um, mm-hmm. but you could pair on that right side, like, yeah, Rusty Feth and Dejan Parker as like your main, yeah. star- you know, your starters and the guys that get most of the series and then bring in like a Bo Stevens and Nick DeYoung to mm-hmm. spell them every now and then or how every third series or however you want to do it. Right. And that's fun because then you'd have those, the, two guys on the right side kind of matched up together, that could work.
1: And, yeah, they've done a really good job of that usually up to the last two years where often you see that really young, talented um, offensive lineman that they know is going to be a good two- to three-year starter uh, playing a lot as either a freshman or a sophomore as as a rotational guy. I remember, like, you know, Brandon Sheriff and Austin Blythe were – you know rotating at guard before they ended up playing tackle or in center and and uh you know it just it was the way it worked. Sean Welsh was the same way you know guys in the past that's where they got their they got their feet wet is like get mm-hmm. in every third series play guard rotate in with a a veteran and you know and it helps somebody like Rusty Feth, who's you know he, he's a veteran no question but he's also a newcomer to Iowa and it might take time for him to kind of catch up and when you're talking about Utah State and Western Michigan, two out of the first three opponents, um, you know, you're going to want to get somebody in because, you know, at some point, somebody's going to have to go down. Somebody's going to go down. So, so if you can make sure that, hey, Bo Stevens, you're ready to go, you know, uh, Jennings Dunker, you're ready to go, Um, you know, Nick DeYoung, You know, can you start or can you be the swing guy? Maybe he's the sixth guy, no matter what position we're talking about. Yeah. Guard or tackle. Maybe he's automatically one in, you know. So I think uh, that's a really good thing for Iowa right now, that it does look like they're taking steps forward in
2: that area. And and De'Jones Parker's still pretty raw. I mean, he's a guy that they're going to have to tune up from a technical standpoint, and we'll see, you know, how he starts. I I think he's the type of guy that's going to be much better, in October and November than he probably
1: is in September. Right. And I'd have to check. I mean, does he have an extra year? I think he's got two. Okay. But I could be off on that. You know, and maybe he's the guy that, you know, because he missed all of spring, which is just a killer. I mean, that sucked you know, it, for any of the players to have him. I, having him and Seth Anderson both yeah. in
2: spring was just a kick in the nuts.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so, <laughs> you know, it and maybe it is more Nick Young starting and then him coming in every third series and then maybe it flip-flops and then he's got an extra yeah. year, which would not be a problem either. So uh, defensively, and then, and then there's some that also, I think, in this regard, too, I, there were two that kind of stood out for me as well. But I'm going to start off with Deontay Craig. And you know, last year he was kind of under the under the radar is fair because uh, not only did he he led the team with six and a half sacks and was second in tackles for loss, but he also did it in 100 fewer 150 fewer snaps than Lucas Van Ness, Joe Evans, John Wagner, um, and he was an impactful player. He made a lot of big plays. He had some had a block punt. Um, you know, kind of, you know, if I was to compare him, because we always do this, because it's Iowa, and they have the same system for the last, you know, 25 yeah. years, I, I look at him as potentially an Adrian Claiborne type. You know, he's kind of similar build, and, and he's taken those steps in that direction, and uh, he's going to start this year. He's going to get a lot more snaps, and I think he's got the potential to become a, a guy who might be able to have a breakout. Um, and then the other guy, I thought that, kind of qualifies, because I don't think Cooper DeGene does. <laughs> no. No, he's no breakout, but is Xavier Wampa. And I, I yeah. think Xavier is going to be a difference maker.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on those two. I think you could have, those are 1A and 1B, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Hopefully there's a really good story at linebacker too. Maybe, you know, Nick Jackson comes in here, and again, he's like McNamara. He's yeah. already done it somewhere else, so it's really tough to pull them as a breakout, but they need him to be good.
1: Yeah, I think that's if there is one area where you're concerned about this team, to me, it's it's linebacker, um, because not only, you know, because nobody really has done it at Iowa. Jay Higgins played a lot last year, but is he, you know, is he Anthony Hitchens or is he Quentin Alston, you know, and and no offense to anybody, but Quentin was a good player, um, but not all Big Ten guy. And, you know, when you're replacing Seth Benson and you're replacing Jack Campbell, two elite players at the Big Ten level, you know, can Jay be that level? Can he be Seth Benson? And I don't know, but I, I think he'll be a good player. And then Nick Jackson's done it at a high level in a pretty good conference. Can he make that transition to Iowa? Probably. But but then what, what about depth? You know, what What about who's – what if somebody has to go out for a play, a series, a game? three games. Um, who's there, um, you know, to, to, to do that. That to me is probably the the scariest part. I mean, Jaden Harrell, Carson Shire, um, you know, Fisher, Kyler Fisher, you know, I think the one thing that makes me feel
2: a little bit better there, Scott, is how much will they play cash and having Sebastian Castro at cash. I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident in him. He could be the breakout guy.
1: Yeah, he could. Absolutely. And, you might as well when you start to look at their schedule and who's got you know because when you start to go wonder about four three and when they're going to play it it's usually when they're going to have two tight ends or they're going to have do they play you know, it against wisconsin now they might not have to and we won't right. know that for six weeks you know, <laughs> no, <I> know. <laughs> you know minnesota would be the one that you'd really yeah. kind of go okay they're probably going to have to but but then again i don't know you know it, that's like week seven or whatever and and so you're you're going, you know, is Castro best...
2: the most physical that they've had at cash? I think so. If you think about hooker and belton, belton. those
1: yeah, good players, no question n f l guys yeah. You know, um, bet, probably better coverage guys, at least what I've seen. Yeah, right?
2: I think so too. Castro like, seems more of the when you talk about the hybrid, yeah. he's more like linebacker or yeah. strong,
1: strong safety. Yeah, <laughs> he's like Bob Sanders, strong safety. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna he's gonna rip your head off.
2: He's looking um, to do some damage while yeah. he's out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I like that position for him. He, and you know, Kentucky tested him, and he he was pretty good at it. And, yep. And then you just look around, and you're going, okay, you know, he's. Um, I, I think he could be a, a guy. Maybe you still keep on the field, you know. And then it's like mm-hmm. then you don't have to take, make that switch. It's kind of the opposite of what happened 20 years ago when they didn't want to deviate from four or three because they didn't want to take their best players off the field. Now it could be in reverse. Or Mike Clinkenborg
2: in coverage yeah. at Iowa State.
1: Yeah, I know <laughs> that was not. <laughs> On Philip Bates, you yes. know, a 4 3 quarterback who played wide receiver at that point. <laughs> and Iowa didn't even sub out its 240 pound linebacker, who was a killer in between the tackles. But, yeah. you know, that's, you know, and then I think 2010, probably the vivid one for me was Troy Johnson, bless his heart, trying to cover Dane Sanzenbach. Yeah. who was the Big Ten receiver of the year. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's what cost him against Ohio State. So, you know, it won them more games than it lost them, but there are times when teams are in hurry-up that st- keeping 4-3 didn't make any sense whatsoever. Much more
2: versatility and flexibility on defense. I think that's allowed Iowa's defense to evolve and, and remain among the best in the country, the no ability question. to to
1: be flexible and evolve. They're better now than they were before. And you know, now maybe 20 years ago you, you've got some arguments in 04 and
2: 04 was and, uh,
1: for the time and what they were playing
2: against what they were playing, you know, the opposition was different then and what offenses were yeah. doing, man, that was
1: but when you're looking at last year, they're allowing 3.99 yards per car- yards per play, which was the best in the Big Ten since 07. And you're looking at who they played against, Michigan. You know, Ohio State, you know, highly explosive teams. Yep. Um, and they're still, you know, they, they if, if it wasn't for what, 6,000 turnovers at Ohio State, you know, maybe they only lose, you know, 31 to 10 or something. <laughs> you, know, you know, but, um, but either, even so, yeah, I, 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 I wonder about, you know, if, if I, and this is off on a different area, but I look at this defense and I think the, the front wall is going to be really good. And that's really where you need to be. I think they've got enough depth there that if they have a loss of somebody for several games. Especially defensive tackle. Yeah.
2: You can go three deep with, and be really good. Right. Talk about, talking, going back to the earlier conversation, I'm sure Nebraska would like to have, you know, Ontario Thompson or, Mm. you know, Jeremiah Pittman. Yeah, yeah Pittman. Yeah. Some, you know, those guys behind the some of the, the guys that have established themselves already.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, if they have to lose somebody for a significant period of time, whether it's injury or something else related, you know, then they've got, you know, they've got enough depth where, oh, you know, YA black. You know, you're this is your time to shine. Aaron, Aaron Graves. Graves. Aaron Graves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to the somebody point, might should, get Wally pipped. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> when it comes to him, you know, or people are going to look at him and go, What is it about this team that they cannot start the best player because they're younger? You know? <laughs> Sad, but true. But uh, so, you know, it, it's to me the, the second and third level, it's about death. You know, do they have somebody if they have an injury, if they have somebody who can't play for whatever? Reason. And I'm
2: starting to get a little bit. I don't say worried, but just kind of intrigued and interested in what happens in that other cornerback spot. Yeah. Because I thought I was locked in and it would be in Jamari Harris, but coming out of the spring, seemed like we were getting kind of mixed messages on that and how he's come back from the injury, which he was off. I mean, that's a lot of time to miss. So um, I want to see if the spring was just him getting reacclimated, and then he hits the ground running this summer, or if it was him... Not being what he was before the injury, if
1: yeah, that makes sense. No, you're right. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's really a key point because if he has to, you know, if he's not as good, I mean, that's why they were looking actively at cornerback they never found, you know, they never got one. And, and I think that's an, that I brought it up and maybe it's in my mailbag tomorrow or something, but that Iowa was in a really weird position at cornerback after the spring because what are you telling the prospects you can come in and compete? That's not exactly what they want to hear. They want to say they want to come in and start. And uh, you know, because if Jamari Harris is playing the way he did at the end of the 2021 season, he's going to start. It's he's his job. Yeah. He's an NFL guy. He's got great long arms. He's thick frame, you know, can reroute, can intercept, can do all of I mean, He had four interceptions, you know, as a part-time starter basically. Uh, so you're bringing in somebody who's wants to prove himself at a great, you know, at a high level and can't. Yeah. Um, But then you also, what if he isn't as good as he is, or you can't play for whatever reason. And then it's next thing, you know, it's um, all right. Who do you got? You know, is it TJ hall? Is it Deshaun Lee? You know, are you looking at, somebody coming in you know John Nestor or Khalil Tate you know and and you know one thing about this team is you, you know Rob is Phil Parker has no qualms with playing a young player at that position but you have to prove yourself and you know it doesn't look like it'll be you know Teagan Davis after his injury this spring and, and you know I think he'll probably red shirt but but I think uh, you know any of those players you know they got a chance but but then you start to look and go how do they absorb, you know, absorb any other injuries or situations, you know, can they go seven or eight deep last year the Nebraska game cost them, you know, when Cooper DeJean went out and, you know, TJ Hall, who I still think will have a really good career, but he wasn't ready to f- for that smoke, not for Trey wow. Palmer, the fastest player in the big 10. So uh, they need somebody else there.
2: Yeah. I guess if you're looking to, um, on the positive side, they usually find somebody um, yeah. when there is some maybe um, uncertainty at, yeah. at positions on defense. They s- seem to find a way to figure it out,
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially when you have the all all off season. Yeah, and you have that guy,
1: Phil Parker. You know? Yep, and, and you've know, got
2: lockdown on the other side.
1: Yeah, yeah, you've got you know maybe the most talented. You know, do I want to go on this limb or not? the most talented defensive back since Bob Sanders.
2: Yeah. That's a mouthful. I'd have to go through and think about the other guys, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's in the discussion, you know, without question. And uh, I think maybe takes that step forward this year to be, to, to get where Cooper was last year. I think he's on that same path.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, just looking at his frame, his size, the weight, how fluid he is, playing that position, back line, um, there's so much to like there. And, and Quinn Schulte, uh, you know, immediately everybody's saying, you know, why is he playing and not, you know, Xavier, not whoever. Uh, we figured out pretty quickly why that was the case he's pretty damn good you know and it you know there's a lot of comparisons and when phil brings up brett greenwood because brett's kind of on this pedestal of those and he says that's who he kind of reminds me of you know when he, when he brings it up you're like okay i got it because <laughs> yeah. i could see it he's he's the quarterback of the secondary and he hits like a linebacker so um uh, a little um,
2: bit of constantly too
1: yeah exactly same path though yeah.
2: Walk on to you know free safety and it's kind of one of those positions. If you don't really notice them, they're doing their job. It's kind yeah. of like an umpire or a referee. If they're if yeah. you don't notice what's going on because they have so much on their plate and they have so much to organize from that back end forward. Yeah. That you you know if the defense is playing well, that that free safety has a big
1: role in it. Yeah, exactly. It's and so when you throw him WAPA, Castro, DeGene, you've got four really high level players. And then the fifth is if Jamari Harris, uh, you know, can, you know, play to the level that we saw him, you know, two years ago. Yeah. The, 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 their secondary is in a really good spot. It's just a matter of filling in the gaps behind him. You know, one player i, I really want to see, I think he's a good, really good athlete that has moved around is, is Devin Hilson. You know, can he find a home? He was playing corner in the spring. Can he find a home somewhere and take that step? You know, is, you know, what about Cohen entering you know, is he, to me, I think he's probably, I ideally, I'd like to see him be the third safety. I'd like to see him being behind, uh, you know, Schulte and mm-hmm. then maybe next year being the starter. And then Deshaun Lee got a lot of really good reps in the spring. And, and of course, DJ Hall did as well. So um and you know, as I said, you know, I think John Nestor's got a chance. I think he might be the one that you look out of the freshman and go, okay, this guy's this guy's going to play on every special team. And
2: I go back and forth play. between him and Khalil Tate. Yeah. I like
1: both of those Chicago kids quite a yeah. bit. They're both White Sox fans. Is that okay with you? That's fine. I <laughs> I'm, I'm, an old... <laughs> I'm an old I'm an old school Cub guy where it's the team that the South that I'm not. <laughs> Socks don't, uh, you know. Don't worry about
2: it. I think on our podcast, Nestor kind of took a shot at the Cubs too, if I remember correctly. You go back
1: they, and check that out on the feed. They deserve it. They deserve <laughs> everything they get, and I'm not going to complain about that. I, I think, uh, you know, not, I was I was reading. Um,
2: it's another lost summer for the Cubs and the Mets.
1: Yeah, I know it's crazy. I thought the Mets would be better too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I looked. It was uh, Jason Stark did a kind of a breakdown of the hall of fame chances for all these current players and stuff. And when I saw there were zero Cubs from the 16 team on that, no Chris Bryant, no Anthony Rizzo, no hobby Baez, I'm going, well, I guess it's a miracle. We actually won that. or The Cubs actually won that in 16. Um, And I, you know, it's it's a shame because I thought Chris Bryant was a guy that had that kind of potential. And instead he's floundered injuries and average play so anyway it's
2: interesting the Mets won it in 86 Cubs won it in 16 both of those teams franchises thought okay we can go on a run here neither, and neither team did and then yeah. they ended up you know dismantling the teams and went in the shitter
1: <laughs> you know the Cubs went uh, three straight years of the championship they lost to the Mets in 15 won in 16 and then 17 went to game 7 lost 18, they lost a one game playoff to win the division and then lost a one game wild card. And then 19, or no, it was 19, they missed. And 20, they uh, this is the uh, COVID year that they got in and they got thrashed right away. They didn't couldn't have scored a run if something they had in bases loaded, nobody out, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: 88, the Mets had a really good yes. team. And then freaking Oral Hershey's, like the has the season of all seasons and pretty much. Single-handedly help them win the NL. So that is your baseball discussion yeah. for today. Happy summer to everybody. Yeah. Um. Let's stick with football here since we're on it. Um. This past weekend, Scott, some um, highly regarded two thousand class of two thousand twenty-five kids. Those are kids going into their junior year. Uh, visited um, some nice prospects um, that I was interested in. Uh, Thomas Meyer, in-state tight end with an offer. Uh, Some other guys, you can check all that stuff out uh, on the feeds. Um, I don't have the list in front of me. I apologize. I was out of town. Um, But that leads us to the discussion of uh, Iowa offering an in-state quarterback in the 2025 class, Uh, Alex Manske uh, from Algona. Uh, I've done a lot on him for Prep Red Zone. Uh, he was one of my favorite guys uh, in the fall when I was looking at film. Scott, I've watched his highlights a ton. Kid has a cannon. Very good athlete. Moves well. Uh, I think he was their leading rebounder, second leading scorer in basketball. So very good athlete. Um, it's a Jack, Jack, they also have a defensive lineman in the 25 cl- class, Jack Wimbaugh, yeah, yeah. who's visited here a couple times, does not have an Iowa offer yet, but has been offered by, I believe, Kansas State, Nebraska, and maybe Iowa State, those three. I think he's got three power fives already. So I'm going to doing, doing it up. Yeah. i going in the 25 class, but I like this kid. Um, he also has offers from, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Pitt, I believe. Alex Mansky. So, grew up an Iowa State fan. Camped at Iowa State last week, I believe, and the Cyclones have not offered. So, uh, it, this will be a fascinating recruitment to follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 always fun when you have the in-state quarterbacks who uh, you know end up with offers. And one of the in state schools don't offer him. Like that's JJ Cole. You know, I mean, Iowa offered him, but he was a backup offer. Man,
2: they kind of, with the connections to Iowa State, they knew yeah. they were fighting an uphill battle
1: there. Right, right. But, you know, they were really all in on, uh, you know, on <laughs> the guy coming in now, you know, uh, Gosh darn, Marco, Marco Lanez. Marco, Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> he probably had to deal with that shit. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does now. They probably follow- <laughs> polo or something and they'll give them a Christmas present uh you know do they seem still even have polo cologne I don't know <laughs> but uh you know Manske, you know that that's an interesting location you know north of Fort Dodge uh kind of north central uh Iowa and it's not really known for a lot of players. Humboldt, which is between Fort Dodge and, and Algona, has had a few, but, but not so much Algona. So I'm really interested to see how this materializes. And if Iowa State hasn't offered them now, it looks like Iowa State, they're usually one of the first ones to offer out of the shoot. You know, they're either very, very careful or they've got their eyes on somebody else. And,
2: I think Pitt was the first to offer
1: Yeah. And I know. I know Nebraska's been interested and then, of course, Iowa. So this, this will be fascinating to see how this one comes together. But there's some really good players, low, you know, within the state that were at the tailgater or whatever this weekend. And, and I think uh, when you look at, uh, you know, not only, you know, Jack Limbaugh, who they probably should, they probably should offer him. If I loves. like him a
2: lot. Yeah. I do. I like yeah. him a lot. But, and, but again, they understand it's an uphill battle. His mom was a star volleyball player at Nebraska, and his dad played football in Nebraska. So yeah. it's going to make it tough, but you got to be in it to win
1: it, right? Right. Well, you can't concede anybody no. who's in your own borders until they tell you no. You know, if they yeah. say we're interested and they came to the tailgater, then there's a chance. Then there's, a, there's an opportunity there. and You know, and then I think they feel pretty good about a tight end from West High, named Mason Woods. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm still not convinced tight end of his position, but yeah. they know better than me. Yeah. I like him at safety myself.
1: Really? Safe? And I know
2: somebody who likes him at linebacker who coaches him. Uh, yeah. So, who <laughs> knows? He's only, he's only halfway through his high school career. So, right. let's see how these guys develop
1: physically. Yeah, if he looks like his dad, I'll probably say he could be, like, a tight end or defensive end. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Or outside linebacker. Uh, You know, Nick Brooks from Kennedy. You know, well, from Georgia, moving to Kennedy – I think you put a full court press on him. You just, you, you take him to class. You walk, you hold his books. (laughs) You you know, you you ask him if he needs any help with, uh, you know, getting a ride home from school, Um, NIL deal at Kennedy high school. He's the next uh, Tristan
2: Wirfs. Caden uh, Proctor. Caden Proctor in state offensive lineman. That's going to probably be a national type recruit that again, you have to fight off the schools coming from out of state
1: right and the fact that it's in your market yes (laughs) you know cedar rapids is different than des moines i mean you've Mm got to be there every day you know you've got to well not every day but you know you got to be there so often that you want to make sure that don't don't leave we've got you we're gonna bring you to the next
2: season tickets at kingston
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Somebody should be there every day. But, you know, Thomas Meyer from Clear Lake, you know, hey. I interviewed him this morning. I'll have a story on him later today. I like him a lot, too. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's got a pretty good coach there. You know, knows football played for a long, long, you know, long time. Uh, you know, All-Americans should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. By the way, nobody has more tackles for loss in the history of college football than Jerry DeVries. So, it should put him in the Hall of Fame for that. His
2: and, last year here was my first year here, 97?
1: I think that was his last.
2: 98. Was 98 yeah. his last year? Okay, so I covered him for two years then. Yeah, I that was a player, man. He oh, was yeah. a monster.
1: Yeah, just sucked for him the – he was, he was on a what three-win team his senior year. Yeah. He came back and it was a big deal when he came back. Cause he probably would have been a first rounder the year before, but, but then, uh, and then, you know, another guy that, you know, his brother is walking on and has a chance to probably be a depth chart guy. And that's Joey Van Wetzing uh, you know, for a defensive lineman. I mean, Rusty was a guy that was, you know, got FCS offers, but Joey's a guy that's going to get major offers. And you know, so I, I, really, really a, good
2: in-state class.
1: Yeah, I think it's stronger class than the than the twenty-four one.
2: And that's a good class.
1: Yeah. So uh, the thing with the twenty-five is it's
2: there are guys at different spots, different positions. Yeah. Whereas twenty-four, <laughs> all the guys in the twenty-four class look the same. Yeah, right. it's just really great athletes that could play tight end or linebacker, you know, grow into defensive ends or whatever, but. Um, I like the 24 class as well but I you're right Iowa needs to follow that the success it had in the 24 class in state with a nice haul in 25 yeah
1: right yeah the, the one the incoming one it's like um, how many six foot two 205 pound <laughs> players can you fit on one <laughs> roster you know and the, yeah you know and it's like okay who do you and and then if you're Ray Braithwaite you're like okay, you know, do we bulk this one to 240 or this one to 240? And do we yep. make this one 205 still? You know, so you're like Frankenstein, Dr. <laughs> Frankenstein, <laughs> trying to figure that out. You know, Preston Reese, you're this way. Cam Buffington, you're this way. Weisskopf, yes, you are the probably the more biggest of the athletes. You know, you you be what you can be, and then we'll play off you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a fun class. the, the uh, Yeah, this class coming in and the next class that will be seniors this year and then 25s a strong class in state as well um and we'll see what happens with Alex Mansky um you always when you when I do these stories and interview these kids I try to get some tech you know some tells so to speak yeah. to use poker terms um he's a pretty good poker player he's yeah. he's uh I don't think he's in a rush to make a decision and that's the thing too with quarterbacks um they're often the one of the first, if not the first commitment in a given class Yeah, because there just aren't a lot of spots for them. They want to secure their spot wherever they're going to go. So he certainly could uh, end up making a decision not too far into the distant future, but he's also somebody who's kind of just taken off recently. So I think he wants to get to know all the programs involved with him a little bit better, which makes a lot of sense. And what you want to do, especially when the day and age of the transfer portal, when you pick a school that you think's for you and it's not, and then you have to go in there and then that's what happens. And your life is thrown into anarchy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I think, you know, probably for a quarterback like him, take the fall, you know, go make, make some game day visits, see how your season's going discover if there are any other programs that have interest in what you can do and, and then go from there. So I think, uh, overall, uh, you know, if, if he can make it his a decision by December, that's probably a good thing for him. Maybe yeah. mid, maybe November, you know, just something like that, you know, per, perhaps, and I, and I can't speak to how good Algona is going to be. I don't know. What are they, are they three a or four a, I mean, since the class is split there, I think there's still three, but don't quote me on yeah. that the class split now that they're you know there's a five A in
2: football yeah it screwed know, everything up
1: yeah you know, so I'm trying to figure out some of these tweener schools but but even so I mean you know maybe he makes the playoffs or maybe he gets to early November and his team's done and then it's like well I could take you know visits you know official visits in November, you know. I will yeah. tell you this
2: and this I'm not making I'm not calling anybody in particular on the carpet. Algona needs to be better. <laughs> On the offensive line, um, oh, yeah. uh, when I'm watching the highlights, the one th- one of the things that stands out about Alex is mm-hmm. his capability. Mm-hmm. And he had to escape a lot. But he throws well on the run. He has good feel in the pocket from where the pressure is coming to from probably through experience. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Algona was young on the line. I don't want to take any shots at those kids. But he does a nice job of moving the pocket, Keeping plays alive with his legs because he's a good athlete, and he's—I mean—he's got a quick release, and he's got a—he's got a really strong arm. So um, he's definitely someone that would uh, look good in black and gold. And we'll see if Iowa State changes course and offers him, and how that will affect things, and how things go with Nebraska, uh, Pitt, and Wisconsin as well, and maybe more come in. Um, there's a good chance that happens as well. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a he still has camps this summer at Kansas State. I certainly see them offering. He fits uh-huh. that system pretty well. Um, and then what other Yeah,
1: I'm surprised Minnesota hasn't been involved because it's not that far away. Yeah. It's probably just as close, if not closer than Iowa. But
2: yeah, I'm not sure what they have. Maybe they have an in-state 25 or something. I'm not sure what their quarterback recruiting looks like for 25. Um, but uh Alex Mansky will be one that's talked about a lot in state here as we move forward uh, into the summer and into his junior season. Um, transition here to basketball, Scott. This will probably be our last topic for today, unless there's something else that I missed. Um, this was when I was out of town, and I think you you have more of a grasp on this. You basically informed me before we started recording that Jack McCaffrey from Iowa City West um, did a uh, uh, story with 247. Is that the yeah. right network? Yeah. Uh, and let it be known that he would not be a Hawkeye. And that's yeah. pretty big news on a lot of levels. It it makes you wonder why he wouldn't want to play for his father, or is his father – not that, that opens speculation. Because I think the assumption was, Scott, and we shouldn't assume, was that Fran was going to coach Jack at Iowa and then maybe reevaluate at the end of Jack's career. His own career, whether he would keep going, I don't know how long Fran wants to coach. I haven't asked him about that, but yeah. this certainly is a uh, a curveball, so to speak.
1: Yeah, sure is. I mean, you know, it is. It is. Uh, you know, he doesn't think he's going to go to Iowa. Of course, things can change yeah. over time. But but when you're talking about um, you know the the youngest son of uh, the current head coach, who's coached his two sons, one for six years, the other is on year five. And he's, you know, Jack McCaffrey is considered uh, the number fifty-one prospect in the twenty twenty-five class. What rankings he, are those? Uh, those twenty-four-seven, at okay. least uh, according to their. So style. top
2: fifty-ish player?
1: Yeah, top fifty. That's
2: player. a big deal.
1: Yeah, so you know that that is a really big deal. So, um, you know, he here, here's the here's the direct quote that he gave twenty-four-seven. I don't think I will go there. I made up. I made that up in my mind a while ago. I want to get away from home. I talked to my parents and brothers about it. And I think that's the best thing for me. And, uh, you know, as soon as coaches were allowed to, to you know, start contacting him, Notre Dame and Ohio state came out right out of the shoot, you know, Micah Shrewsbury, you know, he's uh, you know, was at Penn state. Now he's at uh, Notre Dame. So. Obviously you know, the
2: connections to that, that university yeah, with the family.
1: Right. You know, the uh, Margaret, you know, played played well for them at, and Fran, of course, of course, coached there. So, I mean, I, I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist or whatever to to take you know not only one step but two, and say, okay, Jack is going to be a junior this year. What does this mean for West? But, but what does this mean for Fran going forward? I mean, he's been the coach at Iowa since 2010. Um, you know, when Jack plays, is is he? going to retire is he going to is he looking for another job is he um you know just going to follow jack around i mean because this is probably patrick's last year yeah i mean this yeah he's year five right so does he have a
2: covid year could he come back again maybe i don't know i'm so confused by
1: the covid rules i think his covid year was his redshirt year okay so i don't know i mean i suppose he could but
2: He'd probably get it if he petitioned and wanted to come back for yeah. another year. I would think the NCAA, with what he's gone through from a health standpoint, would probably
1: yeah. uh, clear him
2: for another season if that's what he wanted to do. But I, I think he is probably going to take his shot professionally after this season, wherever yeah. that is.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know, so based on that that quote, I mean, it's it's striking for multiple reasons. One that you know Jack isn't going to go to Iowa. I mean, a top 50 kid, at least prospect, isn't going to go to Iowa. And he's, you know, lived here basically his whole life. Um, that says a lot. And then, two, um, the head coach of Iowa who's approaching the all-time wins record. Um, you know, is he not oh, going to want to what? Uh, You're 13? You're 14. 14. Okay. Yeah. So he's been here a long time. I mean, there, you know, any any of us old dudes who start talking about back when, uh, you know, well, he replaced Licklider and stuff—that's ancient history now. You know, it's it's all about the present. And so, uh, you know, that that is a, you know, he's what sixty three, and we'll was be born on May twenty third, nineteen fifty nine. So he's sixty four. Yeah. So. You know, is he going to continue to coach? Does he want to leave? Does he want to just once uh, Jack goes to whatever school he's going to go to and then retire? I mean, or is he going to coach and try to watch his highlights? That's there's a lot of speculation and all of it is deserved.
2: And that also leads us to the new athletic director hire could be making two gigantic hires, pretty early on in tenure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> After, you know, years, yeah. of not having to do this, now the next person is going to have to, you know, in this day and age, new, new um, media rights deals and how important it is, those two sports especially. um This is big, big deal.
1: Yeah, and it, it really... It's it's worth a wholesale examination of both programs. Of course, football has to be good. If you're if you suck at football, you suck at life. I mean, you suck at <laughs> athletic department life anyway. But yes. um, but if you're but basketball is is also it, it's a uh, it, it's been interesting, Rob. Since you know you've been here for sure in the state because uh, you know from the Dr. Tom era. And if anybody's saying that I wasn't for him leaving, you're lying you know in 98 the it was palpable I and mean, you imagine if we had twitter and the message boards then i mean yeah. it would have been off the chart you know after they didn't get um, you know especially right for the but then collison and heinrich and all those guys and um that you know and then when he you know was a lame duck and he's just like all right i can just coach football or coach basketball and did well there but you know that was a nice team but that was you know, they were a 5 seed that got to the Sweet 16, you know. Congrats to Ryan Bowen. by yes, the way. Yes, absolutely. You know, tremendous player. But, but then since then, Iowa hasn't gotten it right, really. I mean, you know, hasn't hit the sweet spot, let's say. You know, they've been competitive on the court at times. In Fran's era, they've been pretty competitive. Ha- haven't had any kind of postseason success to speak of. Um, but then there's been a disconnect in a lot of cases with the head coach and the fan base. Um, whether it's Alford for sure, Licklider definitely, and then of course didn't win worth a shit. But and then <laughs> and then you have Fran, which has been kind of up and down that way. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So I I don't know. You know, I, there's part of me that thinks that well, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Run, it's run its course. Maybe it's time for a change. And then there's other, you know, then you always have that because of the Tom Davis situation. I, right. I'm, I'm less that way with basketball, though, than I am with football, because football, once you're in the deep end and you drown one year, it kills you. It just absolutely murders you. Basketball, you know, one good portal year and you can be right back to where you want to be. So, um, I don't know. Hey,
2: look at it, too. Lisa Bluter is 62. Yeah.
1: So that's going
2: to have to change at some point here. These are all – we're talking about the new athletic director. How old's Rick
1: Heller? He's in the same boat. You know, Rick I Heller mean, is – He's got to be you know, 60-ish. He was
2: born in – why am I not seeing what year he was born in? Let me see. Bring up the uh, – anyway, he's getting <laughs> – He's getting along in years as well. We'll Say say nicely. Uh, he's in the old dude in a party like we are. Yeah. So yeah, this next this next athletic this next hire athletic director wise is really big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't hire the right person there. And I mean, and Iowa's had great success over the last, you know, 50 plus years. You know, and I mean, you know, Gary Barta, we talked about it before. I mean, it is a polarizing discussion, but at, at minimum, at least on the floor, that there have been successful hires and they've been competitive programs, except for Lick Lighter. But he reversed course quickly and changed and, and got you know that change. So um if it's Beth gets, and that's my expectation um that it will be, then you know you could be looking at a new football coach, men's basketball coach, maybe even women's basketball coach in the next five years. That's massive for a program with the kind of stability that iowa's enjoyed and you know and what um uh, tom brands is in his what mid-50s i think yeah you know mid to low 50s i don't know so you know who knows i mean dan gable was pretty damn young when he retired when it looks at that i mean he would have been what in his early 50s or late 40s so um yeah it's it's massive when it when it happens
2: Tom Brands, April 9th, 1968. He's 55. He's a year younger than me. Okay.
1: And, and he's be... a lot better shape,
2: <laughs> yeah. which isn't saying
1: much. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'll be 50 in a couple months, and uh, I'm not in good shape either.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's coming. The big five zero. Mm-hmm. We'll have a We'll have a birthday celebration on the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we had it at, uh, let's see you know, from midnight to 4.30 in the morning against Nevada last year, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so well, we leave anything out, Scott? Anything well, else you
1: want to talk about? Yeah, the only other thing I would say is that most of the schedules are done for- Okay, the, uh, that's right, you talked about that. Basketball, yeah, and schedules. I, I filed FOIAs to get the contracts and and just to see kind of where things sit. And, and uh, for the men's, there are 10 contracts that are in and one that hasn't been released yet. Or one that has been I don't know finalized or released. I think it's one we're of them. talking about non-conference, right? Non-conference. The non-con, yeah. They usually play eleven non-conference. Is that yeah? Right? Yeah, because you get twenty uh, conference games. Right. You know, eleven non-cons and and uh, you know, counting whatever. And then, like for the men, this is a schedule that is not going to energize anybody at home at all. It's gonna it's bad. Uh, open up with North Dakota play alabama state at home they go to creighton for the Gavitt games then it's arkansas state at home then they're in the san diego invitational against usc oklahoma or seton hall to get two of them then home against north florida at iowa state versus uh florida a&m and des moines oh, and yeah. then and then uh the other contract available is northern illinois at home and then the one that is on a list but has a I don't know if it's been finalized or what, but uh, Baltimore County, you know, UMBC, you know, and that's like December 20th, according to one thing. So when you're talking about that schedule, that is the most underwhelming home schedule I've ever seen for Iowa men's basketball, because there's no ACC Big Ten challenge. There's no Iowa state. There's no Gavit games at home. There's no, not, they have the opportunity to now schedule freely and instead decided to take the
2: Reminds me a little bit of two years ago where they had the uh, uh, they opened with an exhibition against Slippery Rock, then they played Longwood, Kansas City, North Carolina Central, Alabama State, Western Michigan, Portland State at Virginia for Big Ten ACC, which is no more. Yeah, um, then they had Iowa State, obviously,
1: yeah,
2: in Ames, uh, and then Utah State and Sioux Falls. And then home against Southeastern Louisiana and Western Illinois. That was two years ago. And this one is similar in terms of draw for home games.
1: Well, you know, and and obviously we can go on and on and we don't need to today. But about the uh, (laughs) about all the the Carver, does Carver need this? Because, you know, wrap the students around. When you bring games like this to your arena, you're not doing your fans any service or yourselves. And when you, you know, and then when you have players lash out sometimes, you know, like, hey, the fans need to show up. You know, I don't know why you want to. You know, you, it's just, there, there's nothing on here. If, if it's Arkansas instead of Arkansas State, maybe. If it's Alabama instead of Alabama State, maybe. Florida instead of Florida and m That's when you're charging basically full price for these games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous. And then the women have a little bit different realm um you know they've got i think six contracts finalized and then there's others they have 13 non is it 13 or a little less yeah uh, because they have that last week maybe it is only 11 but um farley dickinson's who they open with
0: fairly ridiculous and, yeah
1: fairly ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> then, then they're playing virginia tech at in charlotte
2: yeah
1: uh, which you know is a big matchup and they get 150k for that one Plus fifty thousand to travel. Um, they go to UNI and I on November twelfth. Kansas State returns and comes to Iowa after playing there last year. They get Bowling Green. Uh, they get Cleveland State in Des Moines, and both teams get one hundred twenty-five k for moving to Des Moines. Um, and then you also have uh, you know on deck that hasn't been released yet: Iowa State, Drake, and then whatever exempt tournament. You know, and the, the teams they play in the exempt tournament, however that shakes out. Hopefully so. that's a hopefully that's a good one. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah, so um again, under well. Is this later?
2: Are we getting these schedules later than normal for basketball in the non-conference or is this on time for this is about right.
1: Yeah, this is about right. Okay. So yeah. Um, you know, I with the men, I was hoping, I was thinking now that the challenge is gone. Maybe they would just go and set up a, a home and home with somebody, yeah. you know, play it opposite Iowa state, go play Missouri. Missouri, Kansas state, you know, Kansas, whatever, Arkansas, somebody that's just got okay. a little better. Yeah.
0: I mean, and they got Creighton.
1: Like, yeah. But that's I mean, part that, of the, the East. Yeah. That's part of that challenge. I mean, you can play just about anybody, just give your fans something. Yeah. You know, instead it's nothing. Instead it's just you know and and the only
2: thing sec- this isn't the idea, or this isn't what I expected when the big four classic went away, yeah, or the original home and home with you and I and Drake went away
1: exactly. I mean, when you start to look at this, and you know, Fran's like, Well, now we can play games like the Cincinnati game in, in Chicago. Chicago, yeah, but but again. This is where basketball fails and fails miserably in my eyes. Those neutral site games, that's crap. I mean, if you can have a one-off in Madison Square Garden against Duke, fine. But when you're already playing an exempt tournament and then, you know, over the holidays, then, uh, you know, why? Why are you doing this? Your fans are the ones that support you. You know, don't you want to, and and really there's been a cutback and curtailing of this program in a public perspective for a long time. I mean, right now we would have been what yesterday for the opening round of the PTL and North Liberty, you know, or something like that. And that's an opportunity for fans to watch these players up close, get to meet them for us to do stories on them. It keeps them in the news cycle, keeps them interested people talking about them, seeing them up close now there's no none of that. No shirts and skins before football games. You're not playing anybody of value at home. You're just not. I don't care how good North Florida might be. I don't give a shit. Neither does anybody else. So when you're looking at this, you're going, what? They're going to, they're saving grace is they're going to probably have at least one Big Ten game sometime in early December. But what happens if that's like the day of the championship game for football in Iowa might might happen to be in it? And they're playing Wisconsin at home for that. And then they're playing Michigan or Ohio State in Indianapolis. Nobody's going to care except the people who are, you know, already here. So I, I don't see, you know, I don't see the value what they're trying to, to sell with this program. It's not working. And it's going to, you know, when you got a surge in the women's program with season tickets all going out uh, off the roof, and then you got the men's program where it's just flatlining. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is the right strategy and you don't have an athletic director anymore. Who's going to be invested about anything beyond uh, August 1st. So I think, uh, I think this could be a problem.
2: We've got interesting times, no doubt about, it. um, could be a big time of transition here in the next couple of years for Iowa athletics, uh, from a athletic director standpoint, then from a coaching uh, standpoint and, um, uh, scheduling standpoint is usually when you have changes in the coaches, there's often philosophy changes in schedule. And they go hand in hand.
1: Right. And I, I think, you know, there is merit to saying that the Big Ten is very difficult. And 20 games of the Big Ten is that's something that you got to be prepared for. And then you have an exempt tournament, you have Iowa State, and you know, that's that encompasses 23 out of your games but you also in the have game to Creighton too. Yeah. And great. Okay. 24 games. So, you know, you're in the Gavin games this year, but you know, seven other games. Do you need that many to be layups? The big <laughs> 10 know? should
2: hook up with another conference. Now that they're out of the ACC thing, maybe big 12. I guess the pack 12 is whatever. Yeah. You're getting two of the better programs <laughs>
1: coming to your conference
2: basketball wise. So I yeah. don't know if that works.
1: I think the big 12 would be fun to do it, um, with, but cause they, they really can't do the you know, ACC again, because it's an ESPN product. And then, uh, the PAC 12, I don't know if there's a lot of trust there right now. Yep. Uh and then and, the SEC's yeah, that's the ESPN's baby. Yeah. Well, SEC and ACC challenge now Yeah, that's
2: yeah true. Because,
1: because they can do that and they can play games on SEC network and, and all that. So it really just comes down to, um, uh, you know what are they going to do with uh
2: some good i mean with cincinnati coming in yeah um
1: is it houston houston those are no. good basketball
2: programs oh yeah
1: byus a, a yep. nice one. Uh you know you, you might be having colorado come in <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know you might be having arizona eventually come in you never know uh, you have kansas you have kansas state You have Iowa State, which I would hope Iowa doesn't say, let's just give us Iowa State and call that good. That would be absolutely ridiculous. But Oklahoma State's, you know, generally a pretty good program. and Texas Tech, you know, TCU, you know. So, yeah, you can get to see a lot of these pretty decent programs. That would be a fun one. Um, You know, West Virginia would not be just, although after what happened this weekend, it would be interesting to see what happens there. Poor Huggy. What a way to go down, man.
2: He needs to get help.
1: He had his opportunity um, a couple months ago, where he just about bit the bullet from a lot of stupid things he had to say, and then yep. backed it up with a blowing a two-one, you know, in, in Pittsburgh.
2: He certainly so, had so enough he, chances.
1: Yeah. So he resigned slash retired. I'm sure it was. Uh, you're either you resigned today or you're fired today. Get yeah. out. Yeah. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what they do if they just hire somebody as a is a stop gap, they elevate somebody to an interim level, or if they, uh, you know, hire. Yeah, a- I saw
2: a story where the AD didn't want to hire an interim coach, but he or she may not have a chance, uh, may not have a choice, I should say, at this stage of the game. This is pretty late in the process to hire a new basketball coach.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is for sure. But I'm sure there's a lot of mid-major, good mid-major coaches who'd say, sure, I'll take West Virginia. Yep, a- And the money that comes with it. Yeah, give me a – Give me a year to make it a mulligan year, as, as PJ Flex said, year zero. You
2: know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott. Do we get through everything? No, I think so. Okay. I think we're in good shape. We caught up after the week off, and we'll be back on a Thursday with a, a lot more to talk about the uh, big recruiting weekend for the 24 class. Mostly uh, this weekend coming up, official visits, and um, we'll have player availability on Wednesday. Chris Murray, NBA draft coming up. A uh, lot to talk about on Thursday, so come back and join us then at 9 a.m. We'll be live on the YouTube, and then we'll have the podcast posted for you guys shortly after that. Thank you, everybody, for listening today and putting up with our wonky schedules this summer. Thank you to our sponsors. We certainly appreciate their support, and uh, we will talk to you folks uh, in a few days. Be good until then, um, and say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.